I lit a beef and cheddar pie on fire. Okay, welcome to episode nine of the Failure Show. I'm Ben Frank, and I'm Ida Knox. Oh yeah, we're uh, we're here. We're back. You were you were telling me you you went to the ballet last night. I did. I went to the Jane Eyre Ballet, or I did rather, not know that existed. Okay, it's a ballet performance of Jane Eyre, an interpretation of that story as done through ballet. I assume you know what ballet is. Oh, yeah, I know what ballet is, <laughs> and I know what Jane Eyre is. I just didn't know there was such thing as Jane um, Eyre Ballet. There is, and it was done by it was in the Shanghai Grand Theater out over by People's Square. Um, and it was put on by the Shanghai Ballet, and it was just a really good rendition of Jane Eyre. Yeah. Which wow. is a creepy, fucked up story. Was that made more obvious by the fact that it was ballet? I or? would say that the ballet was creepier than the book, by far. Okay. Um, have you read Jane Eyre? I have not read Jane Eyre. Okay, so really quick, a two version, a two second version. There's a man. He falls in love with a young girl. Unfortunately, he has a crazy wife locked up in his attic. Things go poorly. Young girl leaves when she finds out about crazy wife. Crazy wife burns down house. I'm spoiler alerts for Jane Eyre, which has been out for you know forever. I think it's I think it's fair <laughs> game. I think it's fair game to spoil um, it. But the ballet was so creepy because they like didn't really let that crazy wife character ever be like locked up in the attic or anything. So she like lurks around the stage the whole time and there'll be like a beautiful like love dance going on and then she's dancing like in the background behind a screen like also doing ballet, but it's very like expressing how insane she is. Oh, it's like insane ballet. Yeah, and it's it's really creepy. Okay. But it was enjoyable. <laughs> it was a beautiful production. I love the ballet. So it was great. Aside from maybe when I was young going to see like the Nutcracker, I don't know if I've ever gone to see a ballet. Really? Yeah. I think like, I, I, that was probably like, yeah. because when you're a kid, I feel like that's, at least in the US, that's a pretty common thing. You're like, yeah. around Christmas time to go see some production of the Nutcracker. That's true. Yes, but it is. But other than that. I don't think I've ever gone to the ballet. It's good if you like. I mean, it's good because it's beautiful. But if you know, if you happen to know the story, um, it's it's interesting to like see different stories presented in that form of dance. Yeah, I yeah, I've never seen ballet. I once once went and saw opera. How was uh, that? It was all right. I don't even remember which one it was. It wasn't like a super famous one, but I saw it at yeah. Um, I saw it at like the the Met in like like at a yeah, Lincoln, yeah. At Lincoln Center yeah. in, uh, in in New York, my, which was cool. Yeah, to see my something there. guilty pleasure in Shanghai is the symphony, um, because well, aren't we all high cultured? No, no, the reason ballet, it's my guilty opera, the reason it's symphony. my guilty pleasure is because the Shanghai Symphony Hall was designed so that when you are in the performance hall, there is no cell service. Ah. And so the usual issue that you run into that we ran into last night, even with you're in the Shanghai Grand Theater, which is incredible space and you've paid 300 kwai for a ticket and people are on their phones and like answering their phones and like sending texts and phones are going off. And so the beautiful thing about the symphony hall is that can't happen because it's probably very unsafe, but there's no phone service in there. Wow, that's yeah. 
It's good. That's, Fun fact about being a theater goer in Shanghai. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good bit of a uh, bit of architectural design. It's also yeah, it's a beautiful building, but like that was like a specific thing that they did intentionally. Huh. It's not like accidentally. There's no cell service. It's like it is blocked. Yeah, and that kind of like makes me angry for places that like can't figure out how to get cell service like the other like it's yeah. like you're 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 above ground like you're right in the center of the city and how is there not cell service yeah here? but yeah. uh it's cool that they were able to do that that would be a, an appropriate place to not have cell service. absolutely so yeah not all that culture it's not like i go all the time but when i win and like when i do go i love that aspect of it okay high culture on the failure show <laughs> ballet opera and the symphony Woo! but yeah we got a lot to get into so i guess we'll uh We'll go right into fail or pass. Fail or pass. Okay, this is a fail or pass where we discuss controversial stories in the news every week uh, and figure out whether the principles involved fail or pass. And Ida usually gets herself really worked up. I don't. I do. I definitely do. Um, I have I have a good win today. But okay. should we guest introduce? Yes, that? yes, yeah. We're going to introduce our, our, our guest for the week will be joining us. We have uh, Bibiano... Reda Bueno, is that yes. close enough? It's, yeah, it's okay. good, it's good. <laughs> okay, good, my pronunciation was close enough. Yeah, so uh, Viviana, very very welcome to the uh, to the Failure Show. Thank you so much, I'm so happy to be here, yeah. sharing with you guys, it's really nice. Thank you so much for the invitation. No problem, no problem. Okay, Ida, do you want to start with, uh, with your story? Yes, so I have 5% computer battery and we'll see if we get through it in that <laughs> amount of time. Okay, um, let's go. The story is from the Times as... It always is, because that's the only subscription I pay for. And it's an op-ed um, piece, and it's called, I Loved My Grandmother, But She Was a Nazi. Oh. Oh. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw it going in that direction. No, I did not. Um, yeah, and so the story is written from the perspective of the granddaughter. It's a first-person piece, um, and it's talking about like realizing that her grandparents were Nazis. And that she had never, like, as a kid, like, her parents didn't really tell her that. They just kind of told her, like, your grandparents are German. And they didn't really do it. And then, like, realizing over the course of, like, her life and figuring out what was going on, that her grandparents had kind of, like, um, you know, like, and then, like, say, you know, her grandparents were still alive when she finally did, like, become an adult and figure this out. And she would ask them, like, didn't you hear what Hiller was saying? Like, didn't you know what was going on? Um, and then her, the conclusion of her story is basically, like, she loved her grandparents anyway. Ben has a cold. If you hear tissues in this episode, I'm going to out him right now. Um, but yeah, in the middle. I was going to try to get away with it for an hour. but Yeah, I don't think you get it. You made it like three minutes. But yeah, so like for this girl. And I actually don't have a great like segue into whether I want to fail or pass her. But it is worth noting that her grandmother did not necessarily reform. And she still was like, the moral of her New York Times article is, I love my grandmother anyway. I figure yeah, I'd start us cool. off, you know, on, on, really, easy one. on a yeah. really easy, really on a real, uh, a real softball. Uh, sorry. A real softball. I sorry. think it's interesting. Yeah, it is because um, I think we, we've talked sometimes in other episodes about the difference between judging a public figure or someone you know from a distance Versus judging someone you have a close emotional relationship to. Right, yeah, definitely. And and I think that that's really at the heart of this. Because I think if we had 
anyone who didn't like judge a Nazi they knew from a distance as a terrible person, like that would be an open and shut case. Right. Whereas like here, this is a this is a this is a close relative. Well, right, because you want to just say like, no, you shouldn't like think that it's okay and like pass somebody on being a Nazi. However, like you also want to say like you should forgive your family members for things that they've done and like otherwise how do you possibly forge relationships <laughs> with your family members? <laughs> Sorry, maybe that's dark, but like I'm just thinking like you know like my family members are not Nazis, but some of them like voted for Trump, right? Which yeah. is not as bad, of course, but like either I forgive them for that and move on or like we just cease all ties I don't know like what do you do there right there's a there's a continuum um like every yeah it's one of those things like this is a an obvious situation of a huge flaw in a family member but as you said you could have family members that voted for Trump or that are like you know super racist or like yeah like, they don't have to be Nazis. They could have other flaws, but you would still support them and see whatever good you saw in them. I think this is an extreme situation that makes it very difficult for you to say, yeah, it's it's fine. Just love her anyway. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I don't know. It, if you take the other side of that, of you shouldn't, like, you should hate her and you should think terribly exactly. of her. Like, is that is that productive, even if you do that? Like, what, right. Like, like, it's, what, it's helpful. I mean, yeah. What, what good does it do? Definitely. I don't know. I'm sorry. This is a really hard one. Yeah, and I feel like it's I feel like it's one that we could literally spend the whole podcast Definitely. talking about. If we, if I'm, we I was to. already thinking about you know the fact that her grandmother when she explains you know the few things that you were reading is about like this was my belief you mm-hmm. know so this is like even even deeper because by that time she was she believed that this was this was okay I mean it was part yeah. of like her. I don't know, personality, I don't know, life. She yeah, made like that when, choice, you know? When so someone believes really, something, exactly. they're wrong, but they, like, truly believe it. Like, I don't know. Yeah, but it was, what is right or wrong? When she believed in that, she was yeah. thinking that it was right, you know? Yeah, it's not like did. you don't choose to believe something that is wrong because the fact that when you're believing, you know, that's the way the ego works. You're believing, it means immediately it's, like, right. Yeah. From you. I don't know if I'm getting into No, it. no. You can get into whatever you want. So I actually, like, I don't know if for this segment I'm allowed to post a question mark instead of a fail or pass. But that's where I fall on this one. Okay. So I, I'm going to submit my first question mark, uh, my first undecided vote. Like, I'm the hung jury member uh-huh. on this one, if, if, if I'm allowed to do that. Um yeah, I would say it's allowed. I'd say you can yeah, do it. I can host her. Bibiana, are you going to cast a vote one way or the I, other? I would say like they both failed and passed somehow. Okay. So ben. am I? Am I going to be the one person who has to cast a? Are you, cast are a you real vote? able to cast a real vote? I mean, I think we've already gone through the fact that there's there are flaws on both sides of this argument, but. I would have to say, from the perspective of, even if I don't totally, you know, even if you can argue both sides, I don't, I don't fault the granddaughter for still loving her grandmother because I think so many people's family members or grandparents have, you know, done terrible things, and that doesn't mean they're not deserving of love. So if I was gonna go closer to one way or the other, I would probably pass the granddaughter for still loving her grandmother because I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily fair for me to say like loving your family is a failure that yeah. I that just I, yeah, that doesn't yeah. like rubs you the wrong way it kind of sits doesn't sit well yeah, with me same 
Okay, well that was our, that was our first story, and uh, now we're gonna go even darker. No, I don't think. <laughs> I, I was like, when I picked that story, I was like, I really hope Ben has like a story about like kittens or something, and we can like upswing. I don't know. All right, what do you what do you have, Ben? Um, this story involves the potential uh, digging up a body of a dead U.S. president. Okay, so this is also dark. Yeah, but I feel like not as dark as your story. Yeah, no, it sounds... Yeah, Yeah, so um, James K. Polk, who was the 11th president of the United States, uh, he was in office from 1844 to 1848. I hope you just knew that off the top of your head. That I did. This other stuff I won't know off the top of my head, but... Okay. um, I used to... Like, I, I did a lot of stuff with presidents when I was young. I really liked learning about presidents. So this was a particularly interesting cool. article for me because I didn't know a lot of the stuff in this article. But anyways, there's a new proposal making its way through the Tennessee legislature that calls for digging up the bodies of James K. Polk and his wife, Sarah Childress Polk, both of which have been buried on the grounds of the state capitol in Tennessee for more than a century. They would then be relocated to a final resting place at uh, a Polk family home and museum Um elsewhere in Tennessee. What is the impetus of digging them up? Why do they want to move them? Um, I think part of the reason is just that it, it right now, the area where they are, it, it seems like not very many people go there. Like, it's not really recognized. And also, people, people think that this is, like, they should be, you know, at the Polk family home. Like, that that's the more proper resting place. Now, there is a backstory here for how this happened which was really interesting that I didn't know. But so when James K. Polk left office in 1849, he moved back to Nashville, Tennessee, and then basically immediately died of cholera. Like there was a big cholera outbreak in Nashville at that point, and he just immediately died. I have never thought of Nashville as a place that had cholera. Yeah, neither did I. (laughs) Wow. Um, So, and I guess due to the laws at that time, there was a rule that anyone who had died because of the the cholera outbreak had to be buried in the municipal cemetery. So originally he was buried in just the regular municipal cemetery. Okay. But then, um, like, like, like a year later, they moved him to like, um, a, an estate or a house that he had bought like a couple years before in, I think that was also in Nashville and put him there. And then in his will, he had said that when his wife died, she would be buried with him and that they would both be buried in that place. Um, and that also he placed the house in trust of the state and basically said that the state needed to make sure that there was like a living, like a descendant of them living in the house at all times. Like that was in the will. This is a lot. Oh. Yeah. And then eventually his heirs actually challenged the will and said that it was not legitimate because like it just, it didn't make sense. And, and they, and his heirs actually won because I guess you're not allowed to bequeath something to family members that have not yet been born. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when that happened, this whole thing of them, re- like, the whole will was kind of deemed, like, not valid. So the fact that they had said that they had to be at this, uh, like, this Polk house that they had, uh, that he had bought, like, they, basically, they had to be moved, or, like, the, the property was sold. Mm-hmm. So then the bodies had to be moved. So they were moved to the capital in Nashville, Tennessee, and that's where they've been for the last 124 years. But it's like not a place where people go. They think it's he's underappreciated and that he if he and that he should be like in the family home where he like lived as a young man. Wow, 
It is so fun to watch how excited you are to talk about presidents. Yeah, so that that's um, that's the story there. So I guess the fail or pass yeah. is, do you fail or pass this, uh, you know, this impetus to to yeah. dig him up and move him to a new location? Uh, yeah, that's that's the launch point, I guess, for for this. I think it's weird that we bury people. So, <laughs> no, I agree, agree. Yeah, agree. I think it's weird that we like bury people and then like the 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 concept of like he's not getting enough respect is is such a hard concept for me to grasp because if he's gone, like he died, he's gone. He's like that I don't know why people would need to go see his body. Like, I think he should be taught about in schools, and I think we should learn about him and stuff, but, like, it's a very strange concept to me that people should, like, more people should go to his grave. So it's I it's going to be hard for me to, like, wrap my head around that one. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the same about that, because he was, you know, it's, it's about what he was or what he did. It doesn't matter what your body is, because at the end of the day, I mean, if this happened like 100 something years ago, there is nothing left. So what's the whole point of like do that movement? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. There's another additional detail I should mention here, which is that a, a source in this story that knows it well, like also pointed out. So he, they're currently buried in Nashville and they would be moved to like a different part of Tennessee where he had lived at one point. Yeah. But basically this person also points out that after he got done being president, he moved back to Nashville, and that was where he planned on living for, like, the rest of his life with his wife. Right. So it kind of makes sense for the two of them to be buried there. Yeah. Rather than in this home he lived in when he was very young. And the home is not in Nashville. No, it's it's still in Tennessee, but it's in another, it's like, in another smaller, like, a smaller place. town in, in Tennessee. I, what a strange... Who are these people that, like, decided that they cared about this? I'm just... I'm confused like what do you you wake up one day and yeah. you're like you know what i care about like james now it's a proposal making its way through the tennessee legislature so i'm sure someone in the town maybe i don't know who the original it's unclear who the actual who drafted, original like, first person drafted it but mm-hmm. one of his like distant relatives like distant descendants is opposed to it so yeah i don't know it seems i Hmm. What a that's that's tough. I kind of want to fail everyone involved with this story a little bit, but like not like with strong passion or anything. Just out of like sheer confusion that people are spending time and effort and what is undoubtedly a lot of money. Yeah. On this, I don't know. I mean, I understand if it's like relatives, I guess, who feel passionately about this, but it seems like the relatives are the ones who feel passionately against doing it. Yeah. Which also seems like, I don't know, unless there's, like, a real reason, like, they have to dig up the area or something and they don't just want to, like, toss a president's body into the river or something. I Yeah. Unless there's a real reason, I, I'm going to fail this proposal and kind of hope it doesn't pass through the legislature. Yeah, from reading the story <laughs> and thinking about it, I think that he should stay where he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think that the two bodies should stay where they are. It just, it seems like it's... It's just kind of like, ooh, he would get more attention. Pe- more people would come and visit, but like visit or whatever. Dead. But what does he exactly Yeah, he's, he's dead. dead. I mean, that's attention. like a weird thing to say. But or like, what yeah. if this behind this is like, you know, we need more, I don't know, to attract people to this specific yeah. place. And, and then, then we're going to use the president. Easy. Yeah. Because I, I think if you were very pro, like, if you, like, loved 
Hulk for some reason, you could be like, let's build a statue or something, and like, or let's like teach more of his story in school, or like, I'm gonna write his biography. You're not like, let's dig up his body. So, yeah, it sounds like uh, it sounds like we're all we're all failing. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely a fail. Okay, we're all failing. We want James K. Polk to stay where he is. (laughs) Okay, that's been uh, fail or pass. Let's move on to the next segment. Failure of the week. Okay, so let's start with our small failures uh, of the week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I can start. This is a little bit of a failure of mine, but it's also a failure of some of the other parties involved, and you'll you'll see in the story. Okay. So I, I've been working a lot in Beijing recently, and I was there last week, and on Wednesday night, I was doing an open mic there, which is actually it's like one of the best uh, stand-up comedy open mics in Beijing, probably the best one, but the bathroom there is terrible. Okay. Like, it's one of those single-person squat toilet bathrooms. Oh. Mm. Like, it's... Uh, so, it basically, you go in on the left, there's a sink, and there's, like, a raised squat toilet. Right. Um, and, like, I, you know, I'd just eaten. I was kind of figuring, like, I have to go to the bathroom, but I'm like, yeah, I don't want to, but I kind of probably try it. I probably should before the show. So, I go in there, and I walk in expecting it to be disgusting, which it was, but compared to normal... There was also a bit of a difference. Up on the squat toilet, there was a washing machine. What? What? How? Like a closed washing machine that was, you know, because there's the area where you can stand on each side of the actual toilet. Yeah. On one side of it, it was totally taken up by a washing machine that was like flush right up against the hole. No way. Oh my God. It's just like. Did you have a picture? No, no, I didn't take I didn't take a picture, but there was just a washing machine there, and and like and I told told the person she's like yeah, it's, but no one ever gave an explanation for why it was there to wash clothes, obviously. Yeah, that in the public toilet. Yeah, gross, <laughs> yeah. gross, gross. But, but then uh, so, but then she was like, well, you probably can't like go number two in there. She's like, at the most, you do number one. And I'm like, well, I'm just not gonna do anything. So I washed my hands. There's not even like a the trash can or a bear, there's barely any tissue in it. Like, there's just nothing. Like, it's a terrible bathroom. So, I, like, I failed at going to the bathroom, <laughs> but it was because there was a washing machine in the bathroom. Wow. So, that was my small failure of the week. That's impressive. Um, Ida? I don't know. It's hard to think of a specific <clears throat> one. I have a, okay. I have like a. Um, an actual failure just like habit going on right now where I'm having a really hard time saying no to anything. Um, so like people, uh, I realized that I had said yes to do like five things this weekend, um, outside of what I usually do. And I was like, wait, like when am I going to watch, you know, six episodes of crime TV and relax? But capitulation of this failure this morning, I got a text asking if I could be on the show tonight and I knew, I was like, oh, no, I should just say no to that. And, like, as my brain thought, like, I should just say no to that, I was like, yeah, sure, why not? She's <laughs> like, no. So um, my failure of this week is that I have taken no personal time, and it's entirely my fault. Um, I, like, totally, in all of these situations of things I've said yes to, easily could have said no, and no one would have been, like, upset, but I just said yes to everything. Um, okay. So I have failed to... Uh, to manage my time properly. It's a pretty boring one, but it is legitimately what I feel. It was a failure nonetheless. A failure nonetheless. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I usually every week fail on my to-do list, but I mean, this is not new. So like, you know, that you write down many things that I'm going to accomplish this week and Monday and then it's already Friday and I have done like not even half. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's exactly. The, but this this week I fail. Um, I work with, I mean, I, I see clients per hour. I'm a psychologist, so I have to be there. I, I work in three different clinics, so I have to be there a little bit before the client. And I fail, but really like purposely, you know, like, you know, that you have to wake up, but um, I was tired. It was so early because it's, it's, I, I was really like, fuck, <laughs> I, I don't mind and I'm going to be late. So I felt like, I don't know, like being on time mm. Mm, for something that I should. But anyways, but I, I felt purposely. So it was nice. It was a nice failing. Okay. <laughs> Intention. You, uh, yeah. Viviana, you sound by far the most satisfied with your failure. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that that's, yeah. that's good. All right, great. Our, uh, our little failures of the week. So I guess I'll use that as a launching point. You just mentioned that you're a psychologist, so and you're you're from Colombia, right? Yes. I so am. you're from Colombia. I guess in whatever way you want to tell this, how did you end up being a psychologist in Shanghai, China? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. I studied in Colombia. I studied psychology in Colombia. Um, and then I was working in like uh, in the oil field. Like, you know, like there is a lot of oil in Colombia and then yeah. they need uh, people who basically talk to the community about like the changes because maybe they can like find like something and then the whole environment will change for the community so I would be there like explaining them somehow but I really never like it it was not like my thing I don't know I started like doing other things then I met my husband but the time he was not my head and he wanted to leave I want to leave I don't want to stay in Colombia and then I guess he pushed me somehow uh-huh. and then we decide he said you, you're not happy you're working on what you're doing I'm not happy here let's move let's go somewhere else okay and I was like okay you know I mean maybe this is the opportunity we didn't know where you know we were like checking like a few countries in Europe uh, we were thinking about the states but then we're Colombian you know we have this passport that is pretty particular and I don't want I don't want to take personal the situation that is happening but then you know and then it's not that easy and if you work you cannot study or if you study you cannot work anyways china appeared like in the middle like (laughs) okay this could be an opportunity and then we came to study basically to study chinese in 2010 so i'm already like it's gonna be like seven years here um we got married like two two months before and then um, we like we told the people like okay you know let's just we're just collecting money because we're living <laughs> <laughs> and then people do you know like don't give me like a stupid gifts for my house yeah. that I, we're not gonna have a house here and then when well, i was working he sold like you know the car whatever we had we sold it and then we collect some money and my parents also gave us money his parents and then we came i remember by 2010 with ten thousand us dollars that was the only thing that we had like okay this is what we have. This could last like for one year if we cannot find something better to do there. And then we just came to study Chinese. Wow. wow. That's yeah. my story. That's, so <laughs> That's how I ended up Wow. So, so you were kind of a, you were providing psychological support to people who are in communities that might be changed by oil drilling. But that like, time, yes. Yeah, that, but was that, time, were, that was what you were what doing. I was doing. And then you and your future husband were not satisfied with that. Mm-hmm. And that caused you to... Move here. 
move there, yeah, move um, here and, st- and start studying Chinese. Yes, um, but I, I mean, I really sadly didn't feel that connected with the Chinese. Uh, and someone, but at that time I was writing for a magazine in Spanish, and then they told me like, oh, you know, we don't have, I mean, we can pay you, but we can put an ad about you, you know, what did you do? And I say, you know, well, I'm psychologist and I have like this, I'm more holistic because I because I mix like different things, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, I use like, I talk about energies, I see the person as a wholeness, so my approach is different. No, it's okay, we're just gonna put an ad. And I was thinking like, it's an ad for a psychologist. I mean, who's gonna come to me? You know, like, maybe you can check an ad about like, I don't know, someone who do like the nails, but he's a psychologist, <laughs> you know, it's like. But then I had one client, I remember I had my first client in a Starbucks, and then we start like I start working with her, and from her, I just built up a network. I mean, yeah, yeah it's like I don't know, that's how it happens. Yeah. And now I work in a clinic. Yeah, the, yeah, that's yeah, that's the thing as a as a psychologist or like kind of any, almost I think any uh, kind of industry where you have patients, you you need mm-hmm. to kind of build up your own network, your own clientele, Definitely. and it's a lot of hard work. But if you can get a few really dedicated clients, then that word of mouth can really help. Yeah, and you know, the nice thing was that I was expecting nothing. So I was not really like, when I came here, I was expecting just to find a job to see, you know, I was not, I didn't come like, oh, I'm just going to have this amount of patients yeah. or clients. It was just like, let's move and let's see what happened. So I, I really didn't feel like I had to build up the net. It just, it just happened. So that's it's really nice. nice. Yeah, it was really nice. It has been really, really nice. Wow. That's well, so. as my role on this show has kind of been established, um, so that's great. Um, this is the failure show. Okay. <laughs> no, no, that's great. And it's, it's really good. Um, but I, so I just kind of sit over here and Ben has people tell their wonderful, amazing, just these incredible life stories. And, um, and my questions are always kind of like, surely it wasn't that smooth, right? To, to go from, I, I'm just fascinated with like how people's perspectives on like challenges and things. So you came here. And were you worried to kind of be starting from ground zero? No, I mean, even before to come here, when I decide to to do my, you know, to to become, because I study psychology, but when you study psychology, you can do many things, you know, Mm -hmm. you can end up working in a company. And I really never wanted to work with people. What I'm doing now, you know, the Mm one-on-one, I felt like it was like a little bit of bullshit, you know, like this is not really working. And for what I said, it was like, no, this is not the way, you know. But then I had a, my big failure. I was about to get married by the time uh, in a really super unhappy relationship. But this time, this type of relationships, when I, since I really didn't believe in myself, it was mm-hmm. like, you know, this is the best I can get. So I'm just going to say here, even now, even that I know I'm not happy at all. So back when you were in Colombia, yes. you were going to get married. Yes. Like oh. What stopped you from doing that? I don't know if it was... I, I cannot remember if it was my aha moment or his aha moment of like, you know, which I even had a ring and everything. So it's like, wait a minute. I mean, this is not... So you guys were engaged already? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wow. And then, I don't know, like, this is not the life I want. You know, he wants a... You know, this is, this is super Latin uh, that you get married and you have... 
you get married, you study, you know, I already had a degree, so I'm, I'm like a, a, a mom who study, mm-hmm. but then I'm going to raise my kids and I'm going to go to the meetings and I'm going to cook like really nice pies like Brie Vandercup. And then you know, and look good because you're Latin, so you should look good, and that's it. I mean, that's your life. And we I didn't want that. I mean, it was like, no, I don't want this. This is not me. So, but but the thing, the failure came when we really like when we broke up. But I was so weak that I I couldn't with myself. I couldn't with myself, and I I really didn't. But that time, I really didn't, like, build up something inside, you know? I was, like, mm-hmm. I was clinging on him, clinging on, like, friendship, clinging on, like, external things that gave me strength. But I, by myself, I was, like, yeah, weak, like, I couldn't. So I had a really, really major depression. So I was depressed for, like, for like a long year, I guess. Wow. Like, really, really depressed, sad. I wanted to die, you know? I, I, I never really had the strength to kill myself but you know I used to walk by like let's say like the Yana look here like a mm-hmm. big big like highway walking like you know like expecting like I could die here and but then it's an accident mm-hmm. it's not like I really kill myself I was really really depressed really really sad so this was like a really dark moment that I had and I was looking for tools so I remember I went to see a psychologist and then the first appointment was like okay I say okay it doesn't matter you know I need to trust and then the second one I came and then I remember the lady from the front desk telling me like, oh she's not here because she had a, a dinner with her father that is not living in the city da, da, da. and I remember like crying there like she, she shouldn't do this Mm-hmm. she doesn't know how bad I am I mean like this is not responsible yeah. please I'm dying inside so I guess this was like the moment of like you're so down darling do something for yourself so what did you do? I yeah. said like, you, you, you yeah. seem so happy like right now but this is obviously yeah, like how, how were you able to get yourself you out of I that depression? I guess I like collecting things for, well I went to see some doctors I didn't want to take any medicine but like you know I use like uh, not I, I'm super like I super believe in like back flowers mm-hmm. and then I, then I was learning Reiki then I went to an ashram I, I was meditating then in that ashram I learned a little bit about Osho then I was reading Osho so like one thing just came with the other and like like realizing that you know this situation that happened it was about you learn about you like really digging inside like going inside myself like basically knowing myself I realized that I really didn't have but a, a deeper relationship with myself like you know you you know you believe you know yourself because you are always with yourself <laughs> it is right. i don't know if it sounds like silly but it, sometimes you're just there and you don't have a relationship so that was my thing and then uh then i, I the, the family tree that is the main thing that i work here in shanghai appeared to me so i was connected with the family tree and i realized that i had so so many negative beliefs mm-hmm. so this was like the core thing of like why I was not really valuing myself. Mm-hmm. So this was like to realizing that, you know, deep inside I really believe that I'm not worthy. So when you say the the family tree, what what do you mean yeah. by that? Yeah, can you explain <laughs> a, little, a little further what, what that is? Okay, the family tree is like the connection with the genealogy in terms of like what did you inherit? Because we inherit like, you know, like even when you go to the doctor, like, oh, did you yeah. please have like certain illness and da 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 but we also inherit beliefs 
and the, the most part of the beliefs are in the unconscious and the unconscious is like the 90% part of the brain let's say that the 10% is the conscious and the 5% the rest person is like a bridge between the unconscious and the conscious that we call the pre-conscious and it's when you sleep these jokes when you ended up saying like penis and it's like oh you know <laughs> this is something that just crossed yeah. the, the, the bridge from uh. the unconscious and in the unconscious those many beliefs are like patterns that your brain is following and then it's like th those beliefs are telling your brain like you know fulfill this you know make this happen mm -hmm. so if in my belief system is like you know there are like ideas about unworthiness you know love is difficult men are bad da -da 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 -da. all those mm -hmm. things are here like overhearing from our family we create the belief system from zero to six years old so imagine like your belief system your mind is like a big room full of small drawers And each drawer has a meaning, you know, in each drawer there is like love, sex, work, money. And then every time you have an experience, your mind is like going there and taking like, you know, if you believe that love is this or money is this. Right. You that's take the experience from those, you're going to... Yeah, exactly. you take from those drawers and then that's how you process whatever experience you're going the, through The reality, basically. You experience the reality. This is subjective because you experience from those beliefs. So then I realized... Yeah, well, if I'm talking a lot about psychology, then yeah, it's like... No, no. So so that that kind of, you say, is like a big part of how you like approach it. And was that something that like kind of helped you pull out of like being so depressed? Did yeah, but but mostly to realize that failure is, is part of the whole process, you know, that it's, it's a wholeness. It's like the yin and the yang. I mean, you need to fail. <laughs> To see the next step, I mean, you need to, it's part of the whole process, otherwise we cannot evolve. Yeah. So it was embracing this idea of like, okay, I got it, I needed to fail, because otherwise if this relationship or this situation would have been like, you know, instead of failing like like, like I would ended up married, it, it mm -hmm. was not for me. And now, after this depression, I was, I discovered myself, I had mm -hmm. like a fantastic relationship with myself, so it was really like... Yeah, it was the first step to, okay, I could end up working with people. Yeah. So it was really like, I don't know, I mean, fail, every time I fail in my life, there is something better, you know? Somehow I remember the first, the, the first failure that I, well, not the first, but a, a really good one that changed myself was when I was in the car with my father. Um, I was 17 years old and then my father was asking me what do you want to study you know because you know he was I was already in the last year of the high school so it's okay you know we mm -hmm. have to check universities and da, 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 da. and I told my father super super happy I want to become an actress that was my dream you know I want to act I was in the theater and the school I was doing theater mm -hmm. I was I really like it and then he was like no this is for whores and lesbians and you're neither one of those <laughs> Like, okay, so this was so, for me, it was a big failure because yeah. then I was like, what am I going to do with my life, you know? I didn't know. And then somehow I ended up studying psychology. So it was really like, I don't know, funny. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, so that was a bit of a turning point in, in itself. So, uh, mm -hmm. I, I mean, from, from the point where kind of you had this, um, you know, this almost marriage that didn't work out mm -hmm. until the point where you kind of dragged yourself out of the depression how like how much time was that like how, how much time would you say were that you really felt depressed and you thought that you were in a really bad place like i guess the depression was like one year kind of because i was this is on and on you know you're sad then you feel a little bit better but then again you're sad 
but then I guess when I was yeah like a couple of years like because the thing is like I was doing it by myself so it was like learning yeah. like reading books you know like reading books going to courses learning things connecting with different mm -hmm. things so then I was learning about energy and then I learned about the chakras and then I felt really connected so going to like certain places and talking to people but not really something like ongoing in terms of like therapies I guess mm -hmm. it was kind of by myself so that that's that's why I was collecting so many tools that now I use with my clients because yeah. I went through the process of like you know this book is good check that video yeah. do this exercise this could help so it was like I would say like one year one year and a half when I really felt like different mm -hmm. like yeah like really different and, and I don't know if use the word like heal but somehow like in a better place with yeah. myself um so and you've been in shanghai now almost seven years and you've been doing this building this network and working with clients um and i know you have like really just like good ways of dealing with things but and and you mentioned that like every time you've had these failures from everything from not be, being told you couldn't be an actress to um and and something better has come out of it has that changed the way that you react when things go wrong now? Like when something is maybe a perceived failure now, like does it still suck? No, <laughs> I guess no. Or like do, do you no. feel like, oh, okay, this is going really poorly or like this is terrible, but I like have this strong belief that something good will come out of it or does it still suck? To, no, <laughs> to have I guess go well, wrong? two things. The first thing is like definitely you can you can change the perspective. This is like like a like a mental approach. But but you can feel failure in your biology, you know, because mm -hmm. this is something that is it's a, it's an emotion and then it's your biology reacting. So even if I change the approach, it sucks. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. horrible inside. It's like no, I mean, this is like, it shouldn't happen or like, this yeah. is like, no, why? Yeah, definitely, of course. But I guess it's like, it's about like having, I don't know, maybe better tools or different tools to deal with it. But, mm -hmm. but the feeling is there. Yeah, it's like even if you objectively know it's not the end of the world, it doesn't change that it feels like it's the end of Definitely, the world. Definitely, yeah. But I guess the approach also is about to legitimize that. You, it's, it's, it's there you fail and you feel bad and you know that it's not failing you know it's part of your process you know that but the, the feel is the, I mean the feeling is there and it yeah. doesn't matter I'm feeling it and I'm gonna allow myself to feel it period without judging because sometimes we don't even allow ourselves to fail because then it comes to mind you shouldn't it's okay move forward right, right. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah this is nothing keep going and then you read this is this post about like how Michael Jordan failed da, 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 many times and then yeah but yeah. but it but it, it doesn't feel good and and you have to allow yourself yeah. to feel it i mean i don't know i mean i'm i'm pro legitimizing <laughs> feeling you know, yeah like, a big reason when ben um just full disclosure this was originally ben's idea for this podcast and when he came to me and kind of like was like oh i have this great idea um and i thought it was just like fascinating because you do you see these stories of failures right but it's like yes. you drop out of harvard but then you found a fortune 500 company and like we i think in america especially we 
we like glorify failure a little bit, but only when it leads to tremendous success. And we definitely don't talk about the parts in between where it's like when it feels when it feels horrible, terrible. When we you just in, like, we love to shadow. glorify like, yes. uh, Michael Jackson or uh, whoever's quote Jordan, Michael Jordan, different Michaels. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. same, same person. Michael Jordan's quote about like however many shots he missed in comparison to how many he's made, but we look at that and we're like oh yeah but he's made like you know so we're like oh failure is so great once it's led to you know huge success but I, I think we skip that middle part of like just Definitely, what it yeah. feels like to actually inside. like yeah, yeah be failing at something right yeah because it's it, if you're not the person to experience it it's easier to just say oh well this person had a failure and then they were a success like okay that's it and but then it's like well you, you can't ignore the tremendous exactly, difficulty yeah. that came with uh, Picking yourself up out of something like that and yeah. having the strength to, to, to do that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's what I talk about legitimizing feeling to allow yourself to be and, and to be empathetic because we live in a sympathetic world, you know, like, oh, this is happening to me. Ah, it's okay, Ben, you know, <laughs> next week is going to be okay. And then this is like the sympathetic, but then when we're empathetic, you know, I know it feels terrible or, or I, don't, I don't even know what to say or, you know, this is really difficult, like to allow ourselves to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously you personally went through some issues and went through depression. Um, obviously you can't, I know you can't share anything specific because of uh, uh, doctor patient confidentiality, but the, just the profession of being a psychologist and listening to other people's problems has that like changed your perspective on your on your own failures and kind of processing issues that you have in your own life definitely because i believe you know i don't i i'm not that's what i said i don't know the typical psychologist because the typical psychologist believe that believes that he or she is not connected with the, you know people are there i'm here mm -hmm. but i know i'm for like even you know quantum physics is already proven how you know your vibrations are connected and you ended up projecting things that you have inside so i know that sometimes i'm going through certain situations and then i have like i remember like three years ago no two, two years ago we were discussing with my husband about either having or not having kids or because you know the i'm already 30 something na 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 well all this thing and then I, w I had so many clients like struggling with kids, you know, my kids, and then I don't know. And I was like, oh, why? Why am I talking this into It's already difficult yeah. for me inside. I'm already dealing with this. So it was really like tough. But at the same time, yeah, it's, it's up to facing that. It's, yeah. The, as facing the failure is tough. It's difficult. I don't have an answer right now. And I'm going through this. So, yeah. Definitely. I don't know if I answered the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I think that the, that it, there's clearly a, a connection there, and that you, it, depending on who the patient is, and depending on what issues they're they're dealing with, you you have more or less potential to see parts of yourself in them, or Definitely. parts of yeah. the challenges that you are are dealing with in 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 your own life. Um, so I mean. You, you kind of said from when you got your, your first client, like things kind of went from there that you didn't really have any, any expectations. It has been like really weird and difficult because I know nothing about it, you know, how to build a business and yeah. these kind of things. But, and also because it's something specific that I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't know how to build a business out of like, 
your problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, um, I don't know how exactly, to do it. Like, 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 you know, come to me and then, you know, I, I, yeah. So this was like the part of like, I don't know. I created, I remember at the beginning, I, I, I was talking, I created a, pro, uh, like a program about the beliefs, the family tree, like, you know, you come, we work on this, we work on that, you realize your beliefs and then you can achieve certain things or you can mm-hmm. realize certain things. So this was, this helped me somehow to be more in touch with people that wouldn't see a psychologist. Like, I guess it's, it, it also helps somehow, like, you know, I'm, I'm more like a coach or, you know, mm-hmm. we can, um, I know nothing, you know, we're learning together. I'm just going to, I'm going to give you tools. And, and when I share this story about things that happened to me, people also, the, people really like, um, you know, this, em, this empathy attitude, this sympathetic attitude of like, you know, I, I, I also fail and it's, I mean, and I also felt like, that. you know, I'm not like, here telling you that everything is going right. to be perfect and you should be perfect and no way I mean that's <laughs> real so like, yeah no, so no, that's no, interesting no. what you were just saying so do you sometimes were you just saying that you sometimes share things definitely with your, yes, with your personal patients? things yes yes definitely. that's very unusual I know I know but I feel comfortable doing it because I'm not I don't want to sell something that you know I'm perfect or I'm, I don't have problems and it's also it's helping me i'm also in this process you know the fact that i'm i am psychologist and i have certain tools doesn't mean that i don't go through like difficult situations or like problems with my husband or moments when i'm lost i mean hello (laughs) otherwise i would be already enlightened i don't know i mean yeah so it's really like so this is and i feel like this is really good and, and it connects the people because sometimes I, I share certain specific things with them and then they can see themselves through that mm-hmm. you know I know what you're feeling because I also saw myself in the mirror and I also repeat these and these things about myself and I felt like that so then they could feel like okay you know at least I'm not the only one or, mm-hmm. or you know I can do something about it so I'm, I'm open to do that I, I don't feel uncomfortable doing it there really is a for most therapists and psychologists between them and their patients there's like this big um kind of professional yeah. boundary that you can't cross where so you have this that you're shooting cross right, right. Yeah. but they have this like asymmetry where you have this like patient that's like sharing everything about themselves but then like the therapist is sharing zero and they feel like it's unprofessional to share anything so that was why i found it interesting that you use experiences from your life as a tool to help your yeah, patients. Yeah, and also the first thing is I don't even call them patients because, you know, being patient is like waiting for someone to really like do the work for you. This is something that we do together and I'm just giving them tools and then they are using it because I really I really want to help them to realize that they can change their life with, you know, with their own pace, however they can, however mm-hmm. they feel like doing it. and But not me like... You know, being like the one who know this is the other thing about this, as you say, like this psychology here, and then the other one there, and I'm telling you what to do, and I know mm-hmm. I feel like this is more active, more like a co-creation. I don't know if yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, not like yeah, I'm not like that. And the good thing is that since I came to China, I've been myself, <laughs> yeah, and people feel comfortable. They come to me, they invite other people. So it's really nice. When I was when I was about to work in this clinic that I'm working right now and I had the interview with the owner, I told her, like, you know, this is who I am. 
and it's working I know it's working because I'm fully booked mm -hmm. so if it means it's working so and and she was super open and told me okay perfect that's your way and we're gonna keep it and and it works people feel good you know my clients can have my WeChat if they need it no one had really like talk to me at 12 or sending me pictures you know people really yeah. understand that it's for them so they they The way they use those tools are like really. I never felt like I have. I haven't felt like oh, they are just passing or you know. Yeah. No, not at all. Like not they're taking all. advantage. Yes. Of not the at all. And also, it's, it's what you say at the beginning. We know when we can. We can say no. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're learning. Yeah. Um, so learning how to our, say no to boundaries. people. Yes, yeah, and are. then you know it's about ourselves. How we. I don't know. So out of curiosity and kind of to piggyback off Ben's question, I think we're, we're low on time, but um, just so you said, you know, Ben was saying like the expectations and stuff and doing this in China and you've built up this network. Do you plan on staying in Shanghai? Are you open? Are you like open to whatever happens still? Do you still have that kind of feeling or are you more like set on being in Shanghai or is it really just up in the air no I like to be here I feel like we're not gonna I, I say like Shanghai is like your boyfriend in the when you're studying in the university you love him but you know you're not gonna get married with him somehow <laughs> yeah I do know I know exactly what exactly. you're talking about yeah so that's Shanghai for us at least for me like it's fantastic it's a great experience but I'm not gonna be here forever so okay. my husband is also working in like kind of the same thing so we're like doing things together so I don't know I don't know I don't that's know okay. but I'm okay with not yeah. knowing yeah yeah, really, yeah. Like, I don't know. yeah. yeah but that's that's the tough thing about especially since you've now been here um, for a pretty long time, yes, you know, definitely. both both you and your husband have um, built lives and built careers here. And if and if you're gonna move somewhere else, that that it has to be a situation that's agreeable for both of you, which is really really hard to do. Definitely, yes. Ben says from the viewpoint of having a husband that he's built a life and career with. Yes, <laughs> yes, I uh, yes, I can I can 100% empathize with the with the point that I'm making. <laughs> Uh, you know, you, you mentioned that when you were young, uh, you had wanted to, um, you you had wanted to be an actress. Like, and you you, you yes. talked with your dad um, about that. Do you feel like that? Um, so you obviously have a you know, a a thing for a need to be creative. Do you feel like you've yes. been able to kind of quench that thirst for creativity? In your current job, or do you have other outlets that that you feel like allow you to be creative in kind of that way that you had wanted to be when you wanted to be an actress as a as a young person? Yeah, I guess I I definitely feel like I'm channeling that energy somehow. Uh, I would like definitely I would like to do some acting thing, acting acting because I feel like I owe that to myself somehow. Mm -hmm. One day, whatever. I don't. I mean, I'm not like craving for it but I felt I need it but definitely when I work when I do like workshops about the family tree you know and then I'm, I'm using that you know even like moving in and explaining to people I feel like I use it I use it all the time when I'm talking about certain situations when I'm imitating certain things even when I do like my talks or workshops I feel like I'm using that energy I also have a women's circle that is like my my mystic side <laughs> if we can put it in that way I don't know and then I gather women every like full moon 
and then we talk about certain so this there I feel like I can be also like super creative and talk about things so I guess yes definitely I would like to do it more for sure but I guess um, somehow I'm already doing it this uh, this women's circle you're not invited but. I know I know <laughs> I'm not invited but if uh, if it's if it's appropriate to share like what definitely you like know. what like what he's, kind of things curious yeah what, like what, kind what of women's circles mean <laughs> yeah or at least what it means to you because it can mean a lot of things that's true what what it means for you what did you imagine? I don't think my opinion matters. What did you? What did you imagine when she sat at the full moon? She gathers a women's circle. I under the moon. <laughs> what do you envision? I mean, I just envision it as a group of women talking about whatever issues or things going on in their life that they want or do not want to talk about it at whatever given time. That that it's that happening. was vague. Well, yeah, it sounds vague. I imagine, I imagine every women's circle has a different feel to it. You're not doing the exact same thing each time, I would think. No, not each time, but it has certain, yeah. The first thing is like we do it under the full moon because, you know, the moon is connected with the feminine energy as the sun is connected with the masculine energy. I, know, I don't know if you knew that. No. I, did, I didn't know that. Yeah, the, the sun is like for the day and the day is masculine. You know, it's about action, movement, doing, and the night is with the moon. So it's like resting, like it's colder. It's about like waiting, you know, and this is the feminine energy, like the yin and yeah, the yang. Yeah, yeah. So it's the first thing it's about, it's like, let's say like the moon represents like women. And then we do it on the full moon because it's the full cycle is closed. And as women, we're connected like... We have cycles, and the cycle is connected with the moon. Anyways, well, I'm not gonna go deep into yeah. this. There. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then we talk about, uh, yeah. Sometimes I talk about like specific things, like the womb and the connection, and openly about sex. Like you know, like you are allowed mm-hmm. to enjoy, you are allowed to be connected with your vagina, you, and openly about the, the feminine energy specifically because we live in a society that is full of masculine energy. We are pushed to do, you know, we like. Yeah. We are measured by what we're doing, mm-hmm. what we're performing. And I usually say that this this common quote, no pain, no gain, is I hate it because it's like you have to suffer and then you know like move forward and do it and this kind of this thing that we were talking about, the failure that yeah. okay, go up, go up, you know, you're yeah, not fail you're not failing feel anymore. Better, feel better yes, now. Exactly. So and this is this is masculine energy. I'm not talking about guys. I'm talking about the energy, and mm-hmm. we need more feminine energy. We need more intuition. We need more like pausing, like especially here in Shanghai. You need to wait. You need to give yourself time to decompress, to feel it more than to think about it. So I guess this is this was my idea because I really wanted to do it for myself. I'm I'm always busy doing things, so I wanted for me. And then I was gathering with friends, and then more people add, and then more and more people, and then I ha- now I, I do it like every full moon, no matter the day. And then now I'm inviting people, so I'm inviting ladies that do different things. Like now I'm combining with yoga, I'm combining with like flowers, whatever. Mm-hmm. I find that it could be really good for women to empower themselves. I'll do it. I love that. Wow, that sounds, <laughs> welcome. That sounds, yeah, I, uh, I guess if you want, you can check it. Out. You can you can check it out. Definitely. One of the one of the one of the full moons where you're where, where you're around. Yeah. No, it sounds it sounds it sounds really cool. You know, now that we're we're kind of winding winding down here a little bit. You know, in you know, I guess all of the you know the the, the failures that you've that you've talked about, you know, there are many more. So. Right. 
Um, you know. Well, we only give you guys like an hour. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> you know, not being able to kind of pursue what it, you know your your acting passion mm-hmm. at a young age, uh, kind of your, your you know your your failed almost marriage, and then kind of the you know figuring out what you were going to do in China when you didn't really like studying Chinese language. I mean, how you know going going forward now? How how do you think? How do you think that all those failures are going to influence how you kind of approach the the rest of your time in China and then beyond? Definitely. I guess failures are like, I don't know, energies that you keep inside you and they are useful to, to see to see the reality from a different perspective. Not necessarily like with bitterness or, or anger or sadness, but, you know, just to use it as tools. I don't know how they can, I guess the influence with, like for instance with the acting, it would be like just jump in whatever you really truly want to do, Mm. no matter what, because you know, if I want to learn to, I don't know, dance ballet today, doesn't matter if I'm telling something and whatever, I'm I'm just going to do these kind of things, like just jump into whatever you want to do and, and allow yourself to to be in this uncertainty. I live here in an uncertainty somehow and I like it. So I guess this is really like nice like to to befriend the uncertainty somehow. Like you don't know what is gonna happen, but you also can enjoy this not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it gives you and if you're kind of all right with the fact that you might fail, then you're all right with the uncertainty and it makes it easier for you to just jump into whatever you might want to do in the future. Yeah and and, and fail like Completely, like fail, like I'm failing, and, yeah. and it, it it sucks, but I'm completely failing because I'm not just like try. Because sometimes we're so afraid of failing that we're just like trying, and then no, I better no, and then you go back, and then you not you don't ended up really having the experience of yeah. like the whole failure if it's fail if you need to fail exactly. Yeah, I've heard that Feel deeply, as, like yeah, really, failed. like feeling every single cell of your body, and then, and that's the moral of this show: fail in every single cell of, of your, your body. body. Yeah, a hundred percent. Okay, well, um, on that note, that might be a good place to stop. Bibiana, thank you thanks. so much for joining us. Your story is really interesting. It was really, really fun talking with you. Yeah, thanks for being. Thank here. you so much. It was really nice. I felt really good and. Thank you. Thank you for the space. It was really nice to share. Yeah, no problem. Well, uh, that's been uh, it's been the failure show. Until next time.